1: life if you give your heart and believe what he's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasures stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll Second Kings 5.17. So Naaman said, then if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth, for your servant will no longer offer either burnt offering or sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. Yet in this thing, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the temple of Rimmon to worship there, and he leans on my hand, and I bow down in the temple of Rimmon, when I bow down in the temple of Rimmon, may the Lord please pardon your servant in this thing. Okay. Since, he wouldn't, since Elisha would not accept a gift from Naaman, he then turned it and said, hey, can I take as much of Israel's soil as I can? <laughs> he wanted two mule loads of Israeli soil, of Israelite soil. So let's try to understand why he asked for this. Naaman's belief system was that a god could only be worshipped on his own land, or that an altar that you did sacrifices to a certain god, it had to be built with the dirt of that God's land, of that God's territory, that God's area. So even though Naaman still had some pagan beliefs swimming around in his head, because you can worship God anywhere, regardless of the dirt you're standing on. But in Naaman's mind, you can tell that by his request to take the dirt of Israel back with him, that was his way of saying he really wanted to worship the Lord when he got back to his own homeland. No, you don't have to worship the Lord on Israeli soil only. But in his thinking, he thought that's the way it worked. So that's why he asked for the mule loads of earth to to go back with him. He was demonstrating to Elisha, I just want to serve your God in the best way I know how. Okay? And here's another issue here. Part of Naaman's job was to help the king go worship in a temple at Remen. So he said the king leaned on his hand. So I'm guessing perhaps that his king was old. So perhaps the king made it Naaman's job to assist him into the temple of Rimmon. So Naaman said, "May the Lord pardon me when I do this." He told Elisha that this action was mandatory for him to keep his job. He had to help his king go into the temple of Rimmon, but he wanted Elisha to know that whenever he took the king in, and he had to bow with the king, apparently because he was helping the king do this. He he said, "Look, Elisha, even though I'm doing this." I want you to know, my heart is not going to be in it. Naaman truly wanted to worship the God of Israel. So he just said, look, as I do this for my job, may the Lord pardon me when I do this, okay? I want you to recall the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were mature believers. They refused to bow down to a false god, okay? They said, we're not going to do it. Now, you're thinking... Well, Naaman should have done the same thing. He said, "No, I'm not going to bow in Rimmon anymore." Okay, guys, we need to remember that Naaman was a brand new believer here. He wants to haul some earth back from Israel because he thinks that's how you have to worship. Okay, that's not right, but he was not mature enough yet to make that bold of a stand to say, "Well, I'm not going to bow in the temple of Rimmon anymore." Perhaps later in his life, he as he matured in his faith, as he walked with God. Maybe he came to much bolder decisions that he decided, you know what, he probably had to tell his king, perhaps, uh, I can't go into the Temple of Remen with you anymore. I just can't do it. But right now, he's a brand new believer. Okay, he's, he's fresh. He still has some old ways swimming around in his head. He's going to learn. He'll get there. But he's trying to tell Elisha with the best that he can, look, when I do these things, please may the Lord pardon me in this, because he doesn't know how to adapt yet. To his new lifestyle. He'll get there. New believers, they need some time to adapt to their new changes. Some of the things are going to be difficult for them to switch, okay? So we can debate how right or wrong this was, but let's see how Elisha responds to him in this, okay? 2 Kings 5.19. Then he said to him, go in peace. So he departed from him a short distance. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, look, My master has spared Naaman the Syrian while not receiving from his hands what he brought. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. Okay, so when Elisha dismissed Naaman after hearing that he would bow in another temple, okay, that was not a compromise on Elisha's part. Elisha never would have approved of Naaman bowing in the temple at Rimen but I think perhaps Elisha knew by faith that Naaman would eventually come around later. He, after he had more time to think about what the Lord had done for him, he would finally, Naaman would finally get it. He would finally understand it. Elisha did not want to get mega strict on a brand new believer right off the bat. The bigger picture at hand here was that Naaman would return home and he would convince a lot more people, to turn to the Lord God of Israel. So Naaman was going to be instrumental in turning a lot of hearts to the Lord. So I think Elisha thought it was better to just dismiss Naaman off to his new mission field, even though Naaman may have not been aware that he was supposed to do this kind of work yet. I think Elisha understood it. He knew Naaman was too new to understand all of it yet, so he dismissed it. He was not dismissing him as an approval to bow in the temple of Rimmon. Elisha knew that Naaman would eventually get it. Okay. But Gehazi here, that little snake in the grass. Okay, brand new believers, we can expect that they're not going to understand everything. But this guy, Gehazi, he had been working in ministry with Elisha. He ought to know better. He, see, he said, I'm going to... I'm going to try to go get some money off of this guy. He should have given it to Elisha, but he didn't. So I'm going to go take it. Okay, you ministry guys, you ought to know better. (laughs) I'm going to be a lot harder on the ministry folks than the brand new believers. Brand new believers are fresh. They're new. They don't understand it all yet. They'll get there. But you guys have been walking with the Lord for a while, for years. You ought to know better. Okay? So right when the happily ever after music was supposed to start playing, Here comes Gehazi, he saw an opportunity for himself, he should know better. 2 Kings 5.21 So Gehazi pursued Naaman. When Naaman saw him running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him, and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master sent me, saying, Indeed, just now two young men of the sons of the prophets, have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garments. So Naaman said, Please take two talents. <laughs> he, he offered him twice as much as he asked for. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments and handed them to two of his servants. And they carried them on ahead of him. When he came to the citadel, he took them from their hand and stored them away in the house then he let the men go and they departed. Okay so he got the money he he took it back and you know what's amazing though is how Gehazi he had seen the Lord work through Elisha he had been around it for a while he knew that the Lord often foretold information to Elisha but yet selfish greed still made him blind enough to try to pull a stunt like this. He should have never tried to do this. Gehazi wanted the silver that Naaman had, but he also asked for two garments simply to reinforce his lie about two prophets that supposedly needed them. But you know what's worse than Gehazi's own greed here is the fact that he put a lie in Elisha's mouth by claiming that Elisha sent him. Elisha did not send him. He put a lie in Elisha's mouth. So Gehazi used the Lord's prophet, the Lord's instrument of truth, as a lie. So Naaman was glad to give to Gehazi because he wanted to be appreciative and give stuff. He, he urged him to take twice as much silver than what Gehazi even asked for. Two talents of silver. I think a talent of silver is about 75 pounds or so. He, he took 150 pounds of silver. So Gehazi took it all where? Did he take it to Elisha? Here, Elisha, here's what you should have received from Naaman. No, he didn't take it to Elisha. Where did he take it? He took it all to his own house. He did not take it to Elisha. Gehazi lied, but now he was hiding the lie. And friend, every lie, the Lord God will expose it. You can't hide anything from the Lord. 2 Kings 5 and 25. Now he went in and stood before his master. Elisha said to him, Where did you go, Gehazi? And he said, Your servant did not go anywhere. Then he said to him, Did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money and to receive clothing? Olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants? Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he went out from his presence leprous, as white as snow. Okay, so Gehazi got leprosy now. Friends, this is biblical proof that there are times when people should be fired from ministry. If you ever are in ministry and you get fired, do not talk bad about that, Pastor. Do not talk bad about that minister. He sees more than you do. Just like here, the Lord revealed things to Elisha that were secret, and he had to make a decision based on what the Lord told him that ended up taking Gehazi out. Now, I have seen it happen before where pastors had to let go of some staff, whether it was a disciplinary action or for other reasons, whatever. And the first thing they do is they go off and they talk bad about that pastor. Friends, it is never right. It's never good to speak badly about a pastor, about a minister. Gehazi spoke badly about Elisha. He put a lie in his mouth. You don't want to get caught in that. It can become bad for you. It's not going to hurt the pastor like, you, like you're like you intending it to. It's not good for you. It's just good not to do it. There's a lot of pastors out there that are doing good work, and maybe they got cut up in a little thing, and everybody goes and talks bad about it. I won't even do that. I will not talk bad about any man of God because I don't want to be guilty of this kind of thing, okay? But here, even bigger picture of this is that during that time of Israel's history, there were a lot of false prophets around that had been trying to get rich off of God's name. So now look at how Elisha, he foresaw Gehazi's intended future. See, Gehazi wanted this money because he had plans in his head. And Elisha knew what those plans were. Because he named all those plans off to him. Look what Elisha said. He said, money, olive groves, vineyards, sheep, oxen, lots of servants. Elisha blew Gehazi's secret plan wide open right in front of him. That he knew what Gehazi was trying to do. Gehazi was behaving just like all the other false prophets in Israel were. And Elisha just busted his plan open right in front of him. Friends, the reason that he sent Gehazi off with leprosy, the reason why the punishment was so severe, is because for such a long time, the Lord had been working to turn Israel back around from false god worship, from the worship of that false god named Baal. But then Gehazi, in the ministry, he served right in the middle of it. He deliberately and directly attacked the good Lord's word from the center of the Lord's ministry. And so this had to be dealt with very severely. Why? Because if he didn't, if judgment did not fall on Gehazi for the offense he just committed in the ministry, towards the ministry, which was against the Lord God, if they didn't deal with this right now and very severely, then people everywhere would think that the word of the Lord was nothing more than some kind of a scam. Have you ever seen ministry people conduct badly and get away with it? Have you ever seen ministry people act sinfully, willfully, stealing, and get away with it? Well, then what does that do to people? They think this whole gospel thing is just a big made-up story. It's just it's just a money-making scam. And so Naaman's curse was transferred over to Gehazi. Gehazi had to bear the leprosy, the disease, And that would make Gehazi would become the start of a generational curse for his entire family. Because he said, your whole descendants forever are going to have this disease. Why? I know some of you are thinking, man, this is pretty severe. Why did this happen? Look, as Gehazi's family spread around the land, then so would the news of what kind of consequences you're going to face if you try to misuse the word of God for financial gain. Friends, I know there's a lot of prosperity pastors. Name it, claim it. Lord God wants you to be rich. You will never hear financial prosperity preaching from this pastor. I can guarantee you that right now because it is wrong. So I found an interesting fact about Naaman's leprosy. During the time when Jesus was being rejected in Nazareth, he said that no prophet is accepted in his own home country, okay? But then after that, he said in Luke four, verse 27, and many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman, the Syrian. Why did Jesus say this? (laughs) Okay. When Jesus said this, it infuriated the people that were in the synagogue around him. They got so mad at him that they tried to throw Jesus off a cliff. They grabbed him, they're going to throw him off, and somewhere along the way, they lost him, and he got away, right? So I want us to consider that no Israelite was healed of leprosy, except for Naaman, who himself, he was not an Israelite, but in fact, he was an Israel, but in fact, he had been an enemy of Israel because, remember, he had raided Israel, and he kidnapped that Israelite girl that we saw up in the first verses, right? Right. So let's just kind of get the picture here of what Jesus really said to these people. Why would God heal an enemy of Israel? Why would God heal a non-Israelite, but then God would not heal any Israelites? Why would he heal a non-Israelite, but not an Israelite? That just sounds kind of backwards. Why? Because Israel was not worshiping the Lord. They had a false God they invented. Yeah, they called him God. They called him Lord, but it wasn't really him. They made up a God that suited their tastes, that said, your sin's okay, go ahead and do it, I don't care, you're fine, it's all right, whatever you want to do is fine. No, God's not like that. So they invented a new God that was okay with their sin, which meant they were not actually worshiping the true Lord God himself. They were rejecting him. The Israelites in Jesus' day, they were rejecting him. The Israelites in Elisha's day most of them, they were rejecting the Lord God. And so God granted Naaman's healing of leprosy as a sharp rebuke against Israel because of their false god worship. You see this? Okay, King Jehoram, he had been pushing the worship of Baal, the false god, as their national religion. All the Israelites were going to worship Baal. That's the way I want it. Let's do that. Okay, so if God would heal an enemy of Israel, then certainly they would think he would heal an Israelite. But if only they would repent of false god worship and turn back to God again. See, that's the point. He healed Naaman, a non-Israelite, in fact, an enemy, to get the Israelites to go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That's our God. Why did he do that for you? And then the Lord could show them, because you're not worshiping me. You need to turn back to me. And then I'll do it. So let's leave Naaman for a minute. Let's fast forward to Jesus' day when he was being rejected in his own hometown. Jesus was being rejected because they did not believe in the true Lord. They didn't want Jesus preaching about God. They didn't want to hear none of that stuff. They rejected the, the, the Lord. They didn't know they were doing it, but they were. Jesus was saying, no, you've got to turn to the Lord listen to the words I'm telling you. You've got away from the word of God. And so Jesus used Naaman's story. It was a story that the people of his day would have been familiar with. They would have understood that. He used Naaman's story as a way to rebuke Israel yet again. The Lord God rebuked King Jehoram by bringing this Syrian guy, Naaman, to be healed, okay? So now Israel was being rebuked again. Now you know why they tried to throw Jesus off a cliff. because. When Jesus referred to Naaman, Jesus told Israel that they were rejecting God to worship false gods. Friends, do you see how deep 2 Kings 5 runs through Israel's history? Do you see how long the Lord has been working to get Israel to trust in him? Elisha's day was way before the time when Jesus walked on the earth. You see how patient the Lord is with getting his people to turn back to him, to Trust in him and to worship him again and to forsake all other gods that would try to take his place. Isaiah 42, verse 8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. Friends, this is Father God saying, I don't share. You're mine. I don't share. It's like you marry somebody, you're not sharing. That's your spouse. You married the person. that They belong to you. <laughs> You're not going to go run around and play with everybody else. You belong to me. And the Lord is saying the same thing of the people of Israel. He goes, they're mine. They're not going to worship anybody else. They're only going to worship me. I don't share. I will not give my glory to another. Friends, we need to listen to this story. And I believe we should take this story as a reprimand for ourselves, as a rebuke to ourselves friends, our culture has a false religion. Did you know that? What is that false religion, Ray? Well, it's whatever comes through that TV set or the movies or the media, whatever. And everybody that gives their soul to this new religion, they are driven to selfish, opportunistic greed. Everybody has this division going on. Everybody is mad at everybody else. Why? Because they want everything their way. Just like Naaman was, he wanted his world to run the way he wanted it. That's like that pride that Naaman had. People today, as they did just back then, nothing new under the sun, guys. People have invented a false god, a god that they demand must cater to them. When I step out, where's the honor? Why is the blessing not coming to me? I am so great and awesome. I am almighty. How come the Lord God doesn't just shower me with with blessings and give me the life the way I want it? Okay, That's, that's not the way God works. We saw that today. Elisha would not go out to meet him the way he demanded it. They demand God to cater to them. They like these pastors that tell them what they want to hear, that God will just wave his hand around and give them whatever they want. Do you see Naaman in this? He said, oh, you know, he could just wave his hand and I'll be healed. Well, God doesn't work like that. Where's your faith in this? Where's your obedience first? These people like to listen to fake pastors that tell them what they want to hear, that God will just wave his hand around. Remember like Naaman said, oh, why didn't he just wave his hand and heal me? And they, they want these guys to just give them whatever they want. God does not work like this. He wants to see your humble obedience first, just like he wanted of Naaman. You can see Naaman in this, right? And these people, if they don't get what they want, oh, the fury is on. But let me put you into a scenario real quick. What if you were kidnapped away from your family and taken away from your home, just like that Israelite girl was? And if you were made to serve and obey your enemy would you be able to have the same kind of consideration for your enemy that this israelite girl had for naaman i mean she was taken away from her home and all she could think of was my god could heal you <laughs> do you you think you could do that for somebody if your answer is no no way i'd, I'd never do that they, they they kidnapped me that's not right well it's not right for you to think bad of people either i mean we're supposed to be the christian here But if your answer is no, then I want you to consider that at one time, you and I both were an enemy of God, and yet God still sent His only begotten Son, Jesus, to serve us.
0: Thank you for listening to Set for Life.